Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I have my friend Val Jones. So you are getting Valerie squared today. Um, it's not too often you run across a Valerie um, and it's kind of a fun thing, but uh, it's always fun when you do run across somebody uh, that shares your name. So Val, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Val. Yeah, so, okay. Before we dive too far into things, do people just automatically, have they just automatically called you Val growing up or did you choose to go by Val? Uh, only my family calls me Valerie, but my whole life I, and that's how I introduce myself. I very rarely say Valerie Jones. So, yeah. Uh, Val, uh, and if you're really close to me, uh, you call me Valley. Okay. All right. See, I'm kind of reverse. I always refer to myself as Valerie, but then most of my family, and I think it's a Midwest thing, but most people, if they're from the Midwest, they just automatically will call me Val. So anyways, yeah, but my sibs, my sibs call me Valley mostly. Only, oh, okay. You know what? I think only my mom at this point calls me Valerie. Oh, yeah. well, moms can get away with, with anything. Right. Yeah. And I'm not too old where if I get my full name, I know that I'm in trouble. So like, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it go away. Oh, well, okay. So people know me a little bit from all the other episodes that they would have heard, heard uh, from the show, but you're brand new to everyone here that's listening. So tell us what do people need to know about Val Jones? What do you offer to the world? And, uh, and what should people know about you? Well, I am a peak performance expert, I guess you could say. And how I got to that point was um, I occupy a very unique uh, position. I was a former competitive turned professional figure skater. I often joke that I'm like the most famous, not famous person ever. Um, if one thing would have gone different, I would have had a completely different life than I have now. Um, remember, it's not bragging if it's true, but yes, I did compete against and need it duly noted beaten, beaten, not, not in the same sense that Nancy was beaten, but I did compete against um, Christy Yamaguchi, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan. That was uh, that was my time era. Um, okay. Against those girls all the time. Saw my Olympic dream. Unfortunately for me, when I was 18, I blew out my knee training the triple Lutz, mm. and it effectively ended my competitive career. Wow. Okay. So if we dig out the archives, I could, because I grew up watching figure skating, so... <laughs> I find could, me here I could find you. How fun. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I have a unique experience. Uh, I got to train with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, five Olympians I got to train mm -hmm. with and paid really close attention to them in the way that they acted and the way that they trained and their thought processes. And then as I got older and I went to college and entered into um, the corporate world, I noticed that peak performance isn't just for athletes. Mm. You can be a CEO um, or a manager or a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or a stay-at-home mom and still be a peak, perform peak performer. And so for me, um, peak performance is um, executing very highly under pressure. Mm. that is what delineates say the average person from from a peak performer is that you can execute under pressure 
it doesn't matter what you did in practice or what you do after the game. It only matters in that moment. Right. And so I've just taken all of the things that I've done and, and the, the CEOs and the uh, military experts. And yes, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of working with uh, pro athletes and Olympic athletes. And, and it's just amazing to me, Val, that um, all the things that I mentioned, habits, mindset, their, their thought patterns, their behaviors, they all run consistent through, it doesn't matter what you do. Mm, that's great. Wow. I, I, I just, I love hearing some of this background here and how you turned your personal experience into just such a wide, uh, wide breadth into even the corporate world. I just, I think that's really, really interesting. Um, you know, so you, you talked a little bit about this, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you ha- what happens during practice or after the game, but what's happening in the moment. Um, and, and that pressure piece is, Gosh, I mean, that's, that's the key, right? I mean, is how you deal with pressure. Um, this last year has been quite the pressure cooker for a lot of us of kind of being in the moment and having to make, you know, quick decisions on how we're going to adjust and adapt. I'm curious, you know, are there certain things that you've done or, or ways you've approached things as we've dealt with a year full of just all these, you know, quick changes and quick things getting thrown at us that we have to adapt to. How have you adjusted and innovated? So I call it my four C, the four C's of peak performance. Okay. Um, again, this is, you know, 20, 20, 25 years of, of learning and observing and walking right next to the best of the best. So the four C's, um, they are commitment, control, yeah. compromise, and course correction. Mm. So I feel like, and I'll kind of hit on all all four of those cylinders. um, I've just tried to focus on those four C's um, to try to get, you know, we've all been affected by by COVID um, in one way or another. Um, But there's very, you know, uh, control is one of them. Um, Mm. There's very little that you can control. So, can I just kind of loosely go through them with sure. you? Sure, okay. please. Um, so, um, you know, the first one really speaks to my heart, being committed. Um, I think that's the number one question I get asked all the time about my skating, because when people find out that at six years old, I was training six hours a day, six days a week, they're mm. like, but you were six. How did you do it? And my answer is easy. I had a dream and I had a vision and I was committed to mm. it. And so for your audience, if, if you haven't read Simon Sinek's Start With Why, it's a wonderful book. You could apply it to anything in your life, mm. marriage, family, career, relationships, it doesn't matter. I knew my why. And when you know your why, the how becomes, it doesn't become easy. It just becomes more tolerable. Sure. And so being committed is, um, you know, you have to sacrifice what you want now for what you want most. And Val, I'll be honest, there were times when I was six years old and the, the, the alarm went off at 4.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do this today. I, I want to stay in my nice warm bed. And, you know, I want to play with my friends after school. But, you know, my vision of, of skating and representing my, com- my country mm-hmm. drove me to get out of bed. Wow. And so... 
So when things happen in life, um, whether it's a worldwide pandemic or just day-to-day living, Mm -hmm. you have to know that things are going to trip you up. Um, you have to be committed a hundred percent. You, you, when, when stuff happens, you, you can't be a fair weathered friend and, and, and quit. Um, and our society doesn't like to talk about the F word, not that F word, <laughs> but failure. Right. Um, all the greats are great because they failed. Um, in fact, I don't even like to call it failure. I like to call it feedback. Hmm. Look, it's not like I put on my skates, okay? And my coach was like, okay, Val, today we're going to learn the double axle. And I put my skates on and I went out there and I did it on the first time. Right. It's not how it happens. Yeah. And every time I fell, it was feedback. Mm. Did I not jump high enough? Did I not rotate fast enough? If one of your shoulders is down on a jump, it's going to throw your body off axis, like even if it's 1%. And you know what happens when that happens? Gravity kicks in. You know what happens then? <laughs> you <Right>? fall. <laughs> so it, whether it's your, your, you know, asking yourself the hard thing, do I have the backbone to stay committed when the you-know-what hits the fan? Mm-hmm. That's what being committed is. And I can sum it up, it, it, and again, I'll repeat, sacrificing what you want now for what you want most. Mm. Um, you know, you have to just embrace the process. Um, the second thing is um, compromise. Um, I compromised a lot uh, to the extent of I actually moved away from my home when I was 11 mm. up in Sacramento, California. I am the youngest of seven. And um, when I was 11, I moved down to the Bay Area so that I could train with um, greater caliber coaches. I And I spent the next seven years training right under Brian Boitano and his coach. Um, I didn't go to high school. I didn't go to games. I didn't go to parties. I didn't date. I didn't go out with my friends. You know what I did? I trained. <laughs> I trained. Um, and so it, it requires compromise. And you know, it seems so obvious to me, but I'll, I'll still point it out. The bigger your dream, the more audacious dream you have, the more you're going to have to compromise. Mm. You know, you're, you're going to have to, you give a little to get a little, you give a lot to get a lot. And it's, again, having that honest conversation with yourself. What am I willing to compromise? Is it time? Right. Is it money? Is it carbohydrates? I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love yeah. me an Oreo cookie that didn't exactly go with my Olympic plan. So I sat sure. Yeah. So it's just really having that hard conversation with yourself about how much am I willing to compromise? Hmm. Um, which really is the perfect segue into the third C, which is control. Yeah. And it's not what you think. It's not over anybody else or anything it is over yourself and your emotions. Yeah. And that is it. And let me tell you, um, I think the hardest hitting humans on the planet have got to be Navy SEALs. <laughs> People are scary. And in fact, one of my 
friends. He's like, Val, you should see what I could do with just my thumb. And I'm like, dude, I don't even want to know. Right. Kill me with just your thumb. They are the hardest hitting humans. Um, but here's what I've observed of them. They are cool, calm, and collected. Always. Yeah. Always. Nothing ruffles their feathers. Mm. And um, I can remember my coach saying, Val, we're not going to practice it until we get it right. We're going to practice it until we can't get it wrong. Mm. So that was what I now call refer to as the day of the double axles. And this is actually in my book. So I have to back up and do a little bit of explaining sure. uh, for those who, who, who don't know anything about figure skating and I'm not trying to insult, but uh, all the jumps you enter into backwards. So you can't see where you're going except one okay. axle. So you, you're, you, you enter into it as, as a front edge. So I, it was a mind mess for me mm. because I could see where I was going. Well, in figure skating, when you um, go for a jump, say you're going for a triple axle, but you only do a double, or, you, or you're intending to do a double axle, but you only do a single, it's called popping. Okay. okay. So I used to pop my double axle in competition. And it cost me a trip to nationals in 1985. Mm. And uh, so I got back to the rink and we get back to training for the next year because now my season is over. And my coach says, you're going to do a 100 double axles. Now, I don't care if you fall. I don't care if you fall out. I don't care if you touch down. I don't care, whatever. But if you pop, you're going to start over. Take a guess how many times I started oh, over. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you probably did what thousands of jumps in a day I had to start over three times wow I was there for nine and a half hours and I could not walk for two weeks but you know what here's the punchline of that story for the rest of my competitive career yeah I never popped a double axle in competition ever again that's great because I trained it yeah I trained it. I trained it not until I got it right, but until I couldn't get it wrong. And so when I think about control, the only two things that you can control in life is your attitude and your work ethic. Yeah. That's it. That's all you get to control. Those two things. And so I took control that day over the fear and the panic. Fear and panic does go it just doesn't go easy. You have to, sure. you have to train it out. And that's why Navy SEALs are the best at what they do. And that's where Tanya lost it. Mm. Okay. They, she, or her team or whoever, they tried to control the outcome. Mm. And when you are a peak performer, you have to know the only two things I can control is my attitude and my work ethic. I cannot tr control the outcome. Right. That's where they lost it. She yeah. lost control. Do you see it? Sure. Right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, in all transparencies, Val, there were, there were sometimes when I skated and I should have won, but I didn't. Yeah. Conversely, there were times when I did win and I shouldn't have, but I had no control over the outcome. Yeah. Work ethic and attitude. And so I like to do this thing with myself. And so here's a little tip and trick for, for you and your audience. Yeah. 
Whenever you are in a group of your peers, look around and ask yourself this one question. Am I the hardest person, the hardest working person in this room? Hmm. Are you the first one to the gym and the last one out? Are you the first one into the office or the last one out? Measure up to your peers and yeah. are you the hardest working person in that room? And if, and if the answer is no, work harder. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so the one thing though, um, yeah, so that's where Tanya lost it, attitude and work ethic. And that brings us perfectly into the next thing, which is the last C, which is course correct. Yeah. Everything you do is either drawing you to your goal or pulling it, pulling you away from it. I mean, right. Success isn't a straight line, you know it isn't, but every right. decision you are either moving towards or moving away from it. And so I actually had a little card on my refrigerator for years and years and years when I was training. And it said, uh, Val, ask yourself this, is what you're about to put in your mouth moving you towards your Olympic dream or away from it? And my mom thought I was crazy, but it was just a reminder because see, now we're back to the Oreo cookies again. See, and I do, I've done the same thing, not with uh, necessarily the Oreo cookies, but with emotions. I put, I put sticky notes on my bathroom mirror that say, remember, don't trust your emotions in a time when I knew I was, you know, just, I knew that there was a lot going on. And I, I, that self-awareness and the reminder was such a helpful thing. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great one. I'm going to have to, don't trust your emotions. I like that one. I'm gonna have it's to like, that. it's like, uh, you know, when you're taking certain medication that, you know, is going to like, oh, this could make me kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm just going to let things roll off my shoulder right now. Or you have a rough time in life. It's like, okay, I am dealing with all the emotions right now. I can have them, but I don't have to let them control me. And, but yeah, I love that you put a, a note there because I've done the same thing just for different circumstances. But that's perfect for course correct because as a peak performer, peak performers are highly self-aware. They know when they start getting off track and pull themselves in, that's, that's perfect. You reminded yourself, this isn't, it's out of your control, but yep. you controlled your, your attitude and you yeah. course corrected. That's beautiful. What a perfect, perfect example hmm. um, of that. And I can only tell you, I mean, if you can imagine hurling your body into a triple revolution that only takes a second to complete. Do you know how hard it is to course correct when it happens like that? Right. Uh, yeah. It is beyond difficult, but you, but you train it, right? Right. Um, and so sometimes things do happen, you know, um, are you, you know, did you miss step course? Correct. Did you make a bad decision and it may be invested in, in something that didn't pan out course? Correct. Are you a speaker who <laughs> all of your keynotes got canceled in 2020? <laughs> Guess what? Course, correct. Course, correct. It, 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 it just, yeah. And so hopefully you could see that with the four C's, like kind of everything yeah. is intertwined and everything, um, works together. And it's just um, knowing yourself and knowing what you're capable of, taking those hits and, and, and getting back up. Yeah. Um, 
one of my uh, favorite lines from a movie is, is never be out of the fight. Never. Mm. You can never, you, you, I will be six feet under when I'm finally out of the fight. Sure. Um, so that's what I've focused on. on that's the, great. So to, bring, to bring it full circle. Sure. Those are things that I have been focusing on for the last year when literally the world is just going crazy. Um, those are the, those are the things, those, those are the habits, thought patterns that I knew were within my control um, that I could practice during this time to, to be better. Yeah. Well, and I, I like that approach because I mean, it really is like, sure. There's been a lot about what's happened recently that is out of our control. It's not fun. But I love it, you know, the way you just worded that it's an opportunity for us to practice these things and put them into practice when, you know, if, if life is just easy, you know, no hurdles at all, there's no need to really sharpen your skills. You know, we, we kind of, we grow when we, when we approach those harder times in life. And I think the last year has really presented so many challenges for so many different people. It's, it's really, I think what we're going to see here as we kind of come out of this is who took advantage of this time, right. you know, who took advantage of this, this challenge, this opportunity to either, mm-hmm. you know, maybe financially or, you know, speaking gigs wise, like it, you, you still feel like you're struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. but if your mindset is ready to just move forward, you're going to come out of this time ready, just like pushing, ready to go. Whereas other people are, are going to have this battle to kind of get back in the game uh, because they didn't take advantage of this time for the opportunity that it was. So I think it's really yeah. great that you have that mindset. So my kids hate me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every parent wants to say, right? I mean, truly. <laughs> we, um, we're on opposite ends of our, our, of our parenting journey, but right. um, here's, here's how I uh, raised my children. And, and that you'll see the tie-in here in a second. No matter what happened to them, mom, I, I, I came home and I, I didn't make the team. I'd go, good, what'd you learn? Mm-hmm. Mom, my boyfriend broke up with me. Good, what'd you learn? Mom, I got an A, I got 100% on my test today. Good, what'd you learn? It didn't matter what it was, Val. It didn't matter what it was. Our response as parents was always good. What'd you learn? Yeah. And I tell you, I learned that at five o'clock in the morning in, in that freezing cold ice rink when I was six years old, yeah. everything. So there's a little, a, a little tip and trick for you with what'd Stella. You learn? No what it is. Good. Yeah. What'd you learn? And so as, as we're, you know, we're, we're fastly approaching one year on this COVID thing, you know, I would challenge your listeners. Good. What'd you learn? Right. Yeah. What did you learn? So true. I, you know, there's a lot of hard stuff that's come out in the last year. I'm not going to, I would be hard. I would be uh, probably the biggest jerk in the world to sit here and say that, you know, this year was a breeze Um, because there's a lot of hard stuff that happened. A lot of people who have lost a lot, lost loved ones, but there's also a lot of really positive things that have come out of this whole thing that's happened to our world. And, And I think if we can look for the good, look for the opportunities we're just so much better off for it. So 
and 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 I'd be remiss. I'm not saying if you lost a loved one that I would say good, right? Um, because that's horrible. Uh, but I would ask, what did you learn? Right. Like I'm not that cold hearted. Right. And, um, yeah. I, We're not sitting here saying. <laughs> no, I would never say good uh, because my reality is um, I lost my dad mm. when I was 13 years old. Um, I watched my father. He literally died in front of me. Mm. I would never tell my 13 year old self good, but I would definitely tell myself, what did you learn from it? Right. Um, and while I only had my dad for 13 years, I got to have Mm-hmm. Yeah, for 13 years. And I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that some people don't even have dads, or maybe they have really crappy dads. Mm-hmm. I happen to have like the jackpot mm-hmm. big bundle of gold with my dad. And so my dad, I know we're almost out of time, but I just want to, I want to share this one last thing. Sure. My dad uh, once told me, he's like, you know, Valley. Yeah. Valley, every check you write to regret in life, you're going to have to cash in at some point. Mm. It's going to hurt like hell. Yeah. So I already know, like I, I have checks that I've written to regret that I'm still cashing in. But since my dad has died, I mean, I'm now, it's weird because I'm the same age that my dad was when he died. So it's, it's a very strange thing, but in the 37 something years that my dad's been gone, I have tried to live my life with writing as few checks to regret as possible. So COVID, no COVID, don't care. Right. Are you going to write a check to regret? Right. Now it kind of comes back to how much are you willing to compromise and things, but uh, I would challenge anybody uh, because we all have, we all have regrets. I mean, if you have a heartbeat, you're going to have regret. Sure. But dude, try to limit those checks to as few as possible. Mm. I love that. I love that. So you've, you've kind of shared here, um, like a couple of things like this, this not writing or, you know, write as few checks to regret as possible. Um, and then, you know, I, I just I wonder, are there any other quick, quick tips that you would give to somebody that would give them a a good, like quick win as they're kind of getting the word out about them, their brand and whatnot. And, you know, you wrote this book, are there any quick things that you learned just from getting the book out there into the world that you would tell somebody, Hey, if you are trying to grow your business, your brand, your speaking business, like what, what's one simple thing someone could do today to find success in their current project? Keep going. Mm. Keep going. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. If you can't crawl, scoop. But keep going. Yeah. No matter what. Because if you take yourself out of the fight, if you decide to quit, you're going to write a check to regret. Yeah. Now, I'd be, okay, but I want to be clear on this. There is a huge difference between redirecting your energy and quitting. Know the difference. Mm, I like that. Okay. If you're trying to market your business and, and, and you're marketing and you're marketing and it's not producing, mm-hmm. then switch. 
that's different than, you know what, I'm just done. I'm not going to do yeah. this. Um, and keep going. Like, yeah. keep going. Here's the ugly truth now. Nobody tells you it has to be pretty. That is not written anywhere. It's not written anywhere. And there's been a lot of, a lot of times in my life when it did not look pretty. Right. But I kept going. And it's a, it's a very common quote. I don't, it's been so overspoken. I don't, I can't even credit to, to the original person, but it's something like this. You either suffer the pain of discipline or you suffer the pain of regret. Right. But pain is pain. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, and I know pain I've had, I've had eight major surgeries in nine years and, and actually two years, I, two years ago, I almost died uh, from a complication a, called MRSA. Bunch um, all in a row too. Yeah. I, it didn't look pretty. And I had to fight when, when the doctor was like, the next 12 hours will be very important. Yeah. If you can make it through the night, you might have a shot at coming through this, but just in case you don't, do you have your affairs in order? Hmm. Wow. I kept going. It yeah. didn't look pretty and it didn't matter because those who did matter were right there with me. Yeah. So I would, my advice to anybody is dude, keep going mm. no matter what, never be out of the fight. Oh, thank you so much. And you've referenced your book a couple of times here. Um, tell us a little bit about the book real quick before we, we sign off here um, and where people can find it. So my book is called Sharpen Your Edge and it is available on Amazon and it's half biography. It's, I tell a lot of the same stories I told today, yeah. but it's half, I hate to call it a how-to book, but here's what I know and I'm not a Debbie Downer, but if you have a heartbeat, chances are you will experience pain, heartbreak, disappointment, and fear in your yeah. life. And I wrote it as I was writing the book, I kept calling it the one. I wrote the book for the one person who was sitting in fear, the mm. one person who was sitting in pain, the one person. And so it's like, should you find yourself sitting in any of those things? Here's what I did to take that first ugly step out of it. Here's some other things that I've learned along the way. Try one of them, try all of them, but try something. Yeah. It's that keep going theory. So it's, it's just, um, I'd like to think of it. It's a book of hope Yeah, uh, because um, you take that first step forward and then one little step turns into many little steps and soon you've walked a whole mile and um, it's amazing. So wow, that's great. I'd like to think it's a book about hope. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And we can get it on Amazon. Yes. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thank you Val so much for sharing some of your story and some of your wisdom from, I mean, not many people can say they've lived the life that you have. So um, I, it's always interesting to hear from somebody who's trained professionally, like, like you have. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us and, uh, we'll have links to your book and to your website for your speaking and your coaching, uh, on the show notes as well. So I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing, sharing all this great, amazing wisdom. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. If you liked what you just heard, 
please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.